Welcome to Two For None, your favourite cricket comedy podcast. Patrick Cullen is my name and he is back. Ladies and gentlemen, the great man has returned. Christopher T. Barty sitting across from me. How are you, mate? Lovely to see your face. Thanks, Pat. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm currently being um, worn by a small cavoodle. Um. <laughs> Introducing our other guest host for the evening. Yeah. It's Albus, folks. Uh, Albus the cavoodle. There he is. I can just see his butt. <laughs> On the screen, which is great. That's exactly what I did want to see. Yeah. Just um, a bit, that's everything uh, I have. A bit of dog butt. Just, uh, just to kick things off. Just a cheeky bit of dog butt. Just to really get things going. Yep, there it is. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful stuff. Um, but uh, how was your Christmas? How was New Year's, pal? How are you tracking it? Uh, I'm good. I'm good, my friend. Um, Christmas was good. It was busy. Um, we um, had, had a three-eventer. Ooh, on Christmas free Day. Eventer, mm, free eventer, Barton. Free Any tips for coping mm, with the free eventer? Uh, it, it pace yourself. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a long day in the field, Pat. It's a long day in the field. Um, it's almost like chasing 443 yeah, degree heat there, Barton. Yeah yeah, 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 exactly. Yep. Uh, no, but it was, I mean, you know, you, know, you, you can't complain. It was, it was uh, delicious meals at all three. So, uh, you know, I just had to make sure I had enough room in the uh, room at the inn, as they say. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, space in the old tank, be true. Yeah, that's that's right. Just had to keep moving. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. And you, you, are, you made it through, Chris. Which I'm, I'm very pleased to hear. Um, Mace, I was. I must say, I'm very pleased with my old man uh, coming oh, yeah. on the pod last week. Mm. Uh, to be honest, I thought he was going to be a mug because he's well known for his arms and ahs and long pauses, my dad. But for some reason, you put a microphone in front of his face and he gets to be really succinct. Um, and he made some big calls, um, mostly berating New Zealand, which is in the theme of this podcast. So, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, look, um, I certainly can't support uh, ber- the beration um, of, of other nations, but uh, he certainly has some colourful opinions and um, it seems to be what people like to listen to. So, um, uh, look, and it's worked for him over a period of uh, decades. Look, it's definitely A style, Bardo. It's definitely yep. A style. Certainly um, unique. <laughs> He's definitely unique, and I'm sure it gave our listeners a bit of insight into um, while, why I am such a wild cat. Um, mm. But I think it, mm. I think once you hear my old man talking nonsense, um, you you really do get a hang of it. My girlfriend Polly has been telling me that my impression of my dad has been too high pitched. Um, right, I now need to lower it. Okay, and because um, I usually do my dad in here, mate. Uh, the Kiwis, you know, they just they just don't know what they're doing in their lives. Um, but actually, I've got to start putting him a bit more in the cellar. So he sounds a bit more down in there, tougher. I don't know. I don't oh. know. It's a, it's a, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah uh, okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I'm going to have to rework my whole impression now. So that's that's what my work is. Over coming well, and now you have 50 minutes of gold. Just Finally. to, you know, really get that Stanislavski uh, method acting. Uh, oh, Bardo. Nice acting know. reference, my friend. I'm impressed. Uh, yeah, year 11 drama just paid dividends there. <laughs> 
finally, we always knew it would. Yeah. We always yeah. knew it would. Uh, Tell you what else played dividends, Chris, yep. is the Australians' uh, work in the net over the last little while, the investment mm. in one Marnus Labashain and mm. um, and an absolute thumping there to win the summer five zip. Um, yep. All inside four days, Chris. How do you feel right now as an Australian cricket fan? Uh, well, look, um, it was certainly good to play New Zealand Day. Um, <laughs> so, uh, when the Black Caps turn up, we should be all right. Um, no, look, look, you can only look. You can only play the team that was put on the park. Clearly, New Zealand were beset by injuries from all sides, um, and were never really able to field their strongest team, which was a tremendous uh, uh, shame. Particularly given that they had uh, a pair of enthralling Test matches. Against uh, <clears throat> against England um, at home mm. um, just recently, so expectations were certainly high. Um, but um, look, from a from a, an Australian fan perspective, you you can't be uh, much happier. Um, from a, from a cricket uh, fan perspective and, and a purist perspective, um, looking for a good contest, I think you would have been left a little bit uh, disappointed from what you saw from New Zealand. Um, but uh, look take nothing away from some of the individual performances that we saw, as you say, uh, Marnus Labashane, um, from uh, concussion substitute um, to, uh, well, even before that, we he, you know, it was a bit of a selection shock, Pat. He we'll was, say, Bardo. He you know, was. Let's, let's lower the bar a little bit more. Selection shock uh, through the concussion <laughs> substitute through to uh, star performer. Um, you know, it's been a rapid rise for Marnus uh, Labashane, which is fantastic. And I saw on a news report... This evening that they're considering him for captaincy uh, material. So, I mean, what I'll say there is JL got asked a leading question, but he got asked a leading question yeah. in the press conference, and he was like, "Ah, oh, look, I mean, yeah, I think he's got captaincy qualities." And then all, all the journos started furiously writing, and JL was like, "Oh, great, that's going to be front page tomorrow." Justin Langer says, "Minus Labuschagne is going to be the next captain." Uh, he's in spectacular form, but I reckon you'd want to see yeah. him captain a few state games before you threw it. Oh, no yeah, look, I, I I would think so. And uh, he said himself, uh, you know, one, uh, uh, well, he said one summer do- one summer doesn't make a cricketer. So, how's this for a conversion chart, Pat? One swallow doesn't make a summer. One summer doesn't make a cricketer. So, what doesn't a cricketer make? <laughs> a swallow. Well, that, that would certainly be a cycle. Yeah, I mean, it goes round, but it times yeah, a flat circle. You know what it? I'm saying? Is it? Is- well, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to. I'd like some answers on that. Um, do we have an in with Neil deGrasse Tyson? Can we? Well, Brian Cox, you know, someone. Some the smartest of- person I know is Jai Singh. So I think we should ask <laughs> Jai, and then ah, we can extrapolate that from there. Yes. Yeah. But- uh, That's all I've got, Chris. I don't know sure. any leads on Neil deGrasse Tyson, which personally is a very sad thing for me. I think Neil is absolutely delightful um, and we should have more of him. Bring him in. That's what I say. Maybe Dr. Carl's a more attainable goal for us, Chris. Um, he's a pretty smart bloke. Uh, yeah, we might have a less than six degrees separation there. Maybe that's. A- I reckon we could probably swing Dr. Carl. Maybe we could just send yeah. him an email off the cuff and just see if he answers us. Yep. Yep. We can phone it in. Um <laughs> That wouldn't be like you and me at all, but yeah, that wouldn't no, be like. No, we can quite literally, isn't he? He's a regular on on the on national J, broadcast. Phone in. I could record yeah. the audio and then we could yeah. use it as our own. That's and right. And just see if we didn't get sued or not. Yep. TM. Um, TMR. I mean, 
You may have heard in my episode the other week when I was alone that I used a song from the police. And while I still have this APRA license, I, I did think that the over-litigatory uh, sting may be on my, hot on my heels there, um, wanting to put me in the ground. But so far, so far, so good. Um, mate, uh, while I'm just rambling, we got a couple of tapes to deal with today. We've just got two <laughs> hot tapes. I'm just moving straight on from that bit of weirdness. While I was talking, they've actually managed to produce a series of five-minute tapes. Therefore... <laughs> Yeah, I did. Out of thin air, like a mm. magician. Um, mm. No, I, I sent an email. I sent a message on Facebook asking for him and our lovely correspondents have provided. Uh, Michael Wood and Alex Spinks have both sent us in tapes about this test match, Bardo. Sure. Uh, I think we're just going to keep this episode test match focused. Okay. Um, and we're just going to get in, make some comments, make some jokes, wrap it all up and get out. I did want to say, um, because we brought up Manus before, I've just got his stats in front of me, Chris. And are you ready for this? Um, I'm, we're going to talk about a lot about Manus in the, in the coming hour. But um, Manus has had three matches, six innings, 549 runs at an average of 91.5 in this series. Uh, mm. 200s, 350s, uh, 49 fours just by the by. That's uh, pretty extraordinary, Chris. Uh, safe to say, has it been the summer of Labashane, Butto? Oh, you'd have to say you have to say it. It, it, it uh, has been um, uh, summer of Manus. Yep, summer of Man. It's the summer of Man. Um, yep. What a time to be alive! Absolutely. Look, it's any time's a good time to be alive, but um, <laughs> particularly now with uh, the Australian batting order doing so well. Who would have thought, who would have thunk 12 months ago that we would have um, a relatively solid opening pair, um, both batting well, Um, a number three who's averaging in the 60s, whose name is not Steve Smith, Steve Smith coming in at four, um, who had a a mediocre series by his lofty standards, still decent, um, but um, uh, we weren't reliant on, on him entirely. Um, a solid number five who, who uh, chips in with the occasional uh, uh, test century. Uh, he's, he's good for one every now and again. Bowls medium paces. By the way, it's Matthew Wade, who used to be our <laughs> wicketkeeper. What? Um, and uh, a number six, Travis Head, of course, who is test vice captain, uh, youngest captain in South Australia. For, I think youngest captain ever for South Australia, I think, who, you know, has, has been serviceable at six. And by the way... We even went some way to alleviate the demons from un, unjustified demons from Tim Payne. Made seventy nine in the Boxing Day Test yeah. to, uh, to 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 uh, redirect the ship, uh, and his captaincy was pretty good. Pretty good, Mate, he, and his glove work's been extraordinary. With the gloves. I mean, who would think that you'd pick a wicketkeeper on the basis of their wicketkeeping? <laughs> That's very old school thinking. No, Chris, come on. You pick a wicketkeeper on the base of their batting and their yeah. leadership abilities. That's what that, you pick them on, Chris. Don't right. give me this glove work nonsense, yeah. Yeah. right? Take your old-minded cricket ideas and shove them off to your nostril. Um, my question for you, B-Train, would you like to hear from Michael Wood? Would you like to hear from Alex Spinks? Look, I think we've got to get Spinks out of the way, don't we? I, I, oh. I, th- I, I think he's feeling bullish. I, I, Alex Spinks feeling bullish that'll never happen um, folks as per usual we're going to play some hold up hey here uh, we're going to play this tape from Spinksy neither Chris or myself has listened to it Alex Spinks is our Australian correspondent currently uh, on his honeymoon with his new wife Rachel they're just uh, in Paris Bardo oh. at Gay Paris about to head to the Louvre last time I spoke to him the fancy fancy boy 
Um, so look, let's hear from him. If Chris and I want to stop him for comment, we'll say, hold up, hey. Let's hear what he's got to say. It's hard, hard not to sit on your hand. Bury your head in the sand. Hard not to make other plans. And claim that you've done all you can. All along. Bonjour, mon ami, from the third arrondissement in Paris. Pardon my French. I greet you all. After a shellacking like that and an absolutely dominant home summer from the Aussie cricketers, I can say that I only hope that Prime Minister Scott Morrison was watching and getting some courage and inspiration about what to do during his come down from his Hawaiian holiday. Oh. At the very least, the Black Caps can take solace in the fact that theirs has not been the worst performance of the summer. Hey, Scotty, Paul Parker from Nelligan wants you to pay him a visit. But that's not why we're here. We are here for cricket. Bartow's cricket brain and Patrick Cullen's distinctive high-pitched cackle of a laugh. Uh, hold up. Hey there, Spinksy. Um... Uh, how dare you? Um, I will have it known that my laugh is very, uh, dulcet. It is, um, deep. (laughs) (laughs) It's been referred to by many as, uh, very listenable, uh, and enjoyable on the ear holes. That's what the people are saying, Chris. That's what the people are saying. Uh, sure. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what people, I'm trying out this Donald Trump thing where you just, um, say stuff and, uh, say that people are saying it. And um, I'm hoping people start to believe it if I keep saying it. Speak it it into existence, Pat. Speak it into existence, Chris. That's why I tell people at the start of every episode, this is their favourite cricket comedy podcast. (laughs) So hopefully they'll start to believe it, you know? Sure. Sure. Yep. Uh, Well, the stats tell a different story. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, carry on. He just did it again, didn't he? To the cricket we go. After a series like that, New Zealand would be feeling pretty crushed. Even with the streak of injury and illness which decided to remove some of their best players, they were the number two ranked test team coming to Australia after winning a two-match series at home against England and not losing one series out of their last seven. The English series included a BJ Watling grinded out special of a double century and hundreds to Tom Latham, Kane Williamson, Ross Taylor and Mitch Santner who would have a great career if his batting and bowling averages were switched. And whilst they didn't hold up to the greatest scrutiny of a home Australian bowling attack, it is still a quality batting order in need of just one solid opener to partner Tom Latham, who had a fantastic year, and that's it. And Tom Blundell may be that opener. It's New Zealand's bowling attack which looks worrying. At home, Southey, Bolt and Wagner are a very good attack. Throw in Matt Henry and a fit-again Lockie Ferguson, who is a terrifying prospect. But only Bolt seems to find regular wickets whilst touring. Wagner bowled dry this whole summer and restricted the scoring of most batsmen, testing their patience. But it's easy to be patient when Labuschagne is making hundreds for kicks down the other end of the pitch. I mean... This bowling attack bowled 2019 Joe Root into form with a double hundred. Australia passed 400 in each of their first innings and declared in each of their second innings, one of those fours through injury. Without Bolt in their attack, they are lacking an effective strike bowling leader, sorry Wagner, which is a shame, because I really like the Black Caps. Over the last few years, they've been the most enjoyable team to watch as a neutral fan. They play the game the right way, they visibly enjoy playing cricket, 
and they have had some wonderful emotional moments that only sport can really provide. McCullum scoring New Zealand's first ever triple century in 2014 against India, overtaking Martin Crowe's high score of 299, whilst Crowe, in the last years of his life battling cancer, was there to see it. They should be every neutral's favourite cricket team. So we just need them to do better. Okay. Enough apocalyptic doom and gloom about New Zealand. Next to follow is just a list of positives from this tour and summer for both teams. Hold on there, Spinksy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, great stuff there from Spinksy. Thank you so much, mate. Love, love your work. Um, Bardo, do you agree with that analysis from Spinksy that the, the Kiwi attack was toothless? Or at least only had a couple of teeth remaining in the gums there? Uh, not entirely. Um, look, certainly beset by by injuries and, and we didn't see the best of of New Zealand. I think um, uh, he, he might be selling Neil Wagner short of a length, ironically, because that's where Neil <laughs> Wagner bowls. Oh, that's a good uh, cricket joke, Chris. I like you. that a lot. Uh, but um, <laughs> oh, look, I think um, uh, Neil Wagner was New Zealand's player of the series. Oh, for uh, sure. Undoubtedly. And I think, uh, you know, the difference between the New Zealand series and the Pakistan series was um, even though New Zealand were clearly comprehensively beaten um, uh, the fighting qualities of, of New Zealand were clearly on display and, and no better typified than uh, the Neil Wagner um, I mean one of the things that kind of amused me throughout the series was people were referring to this battle between Neil Wagner and Matthew Wade to me, yeah. it seemed very one-sided where Neil Wagner was just beating Matthew Wade up with a cricket ball. <laughs> you know? Um, uh, and I don't know that Matthew Wade was that damaging with, with the bat throughout the series. So, um, look, I think he was terrific. And 17 wickets at an average of 22, if I am yeah. correct. Um, and he's not a tall man either. I mean, he's 181. No. I mean... I'm 185 and he's 183. So he's a, he's a short stature gentleman. Um, but, um, uh, you know, he's, I, thought he was, I thought he was great to watch and good entertainment. Um, uh, look, I thought um, uh, Todd Astle uh, was all right uh, in, in Sydney. Yeah, I didn't think he was in, too bad. He bowled okay. So you've got, you've got something to go with there. Um, different conditions in, in Australia to New Zealand, clearly. Uh, where um, I think New Zealand is similar to England in the sense that side, a sideways movement is more important, um, whereas uh, Australia sort of favours more the uh, the vertical barrage, as it were. So um, really, they probably didn't have the horses for courses, but also probably the depth to cover injury there. So um, for sure, I, I, I think yeah. Look, I, th- I think um, uh, Spinksy might be selling uh, Wagner a bit short. He was certainly the most watchable of all the New Zealand cricketers and added the most entertainment value. And you can see that I think through the, the adoration that he received from New Ze- the New Zealand fans at the MCG. Um, and the Aussie fans the too, Aussie but fans, yeah. I think everybody was there for, for Wagner. You know, I think we see a bloke who bowls 157 overs over three tests, um, mostly at people's like shoulders, hips and heads. Um, and you just have to respect that, you know, 17 wickets. And I've said it, you know, a couple of times in the pod, I'll say it again. I love a bloke who bowls 130 and acts as if he bowls 150. <laughs> um, he really did get fear into people's hearts. He, you know, and I think Wade could be one of them. You know, Wade was really up for that challenge. And those two had some really good banter by the end of it. Um, and I love all of that. Yeah, but- look, and I, I mean, I think, uh, you, you know, you also see some of the other bits that, that you like about New Zealand. I mean, um, 
Blundell, uh, you know, who'd never opened before, uh, was respectable. You know, did a did, did just more than that. You know, uh, did did perfectly fine. Um, and uh, did really uh, well. Was it Phillips, the the surfer that came in in the last uh, yeah. last test? You know, he was he was out catching waves, and then three hours later, he's on a plane. Um, so to be able to come in and actually perform the way that he did, in the, particularly in the first dig, I think again is is uh, very admirable. Um, New Zealand, I've, and he was solid in the field too, Phillips. Yeah, absolutely. Bike. He was sharp, absolutely. Mate. Um, um, and I think just by way of population. Um, you know, depth is always going to be an issue, um, but uh, I think that that was the that was the critical difference for me between the um, the Pakistan and New Zealand series was um, the fighting qualities of New Zealand um, were more mm. clearly on display, and I felt that that was typified by Neil Wagner. Um, so I, I, I think I think um, and and he would slot into most uh, you know um, uh, pace threesomes uh, throughout the world. I. I, I I would suggest so um, I don't quite agree with this, the assessment there what I will say that I do agree with Spinksy on is that I'm, my dad and I talked about this in the previous pod to an extent but um, Kiwi bowlers not adapting to Australian conditions that of all of the bowlers on that sheet um, from New Zealand uh, Wagner adapted to them the best because his natural game suits it the best mm. he bowls short he tries to intimidate and that tactic is always going to be effective here whether you bowl 150 or apparently 130 um, but Tim Southey does struggle in Australia and New Zealand spinners are dating back to Dan Vittori have struggled too um, and when you've got two out of the four bowlers there that are going for easy runs it gets difficult to, to pin up um, I thought Matt Henry bowled pretty okay, but you know he wasn't overly threatening mm. um, on a pretty a pitch that was turning a lot. Um, as you say, Astle had his moments, and and you know spinners take a long time to develop, as my old man said last week. Spinner, he looks like he could be a, a good option for them, um, potentially even more threatening than Santner. Um, well, and I, I think ball, too. But, yeah. um, you know what it more than anything what this really kind of illuminates is is uh the uh an appreciation for nathan lyon because oh massively but you know massively. um uh spin, fin- australia is not necessarily known for being particularly um accommodating for finger spin um you know and you and you mentioned one of the great finger spinners there earlier uh um dan vittori now dan vittori is a very accomplished cricketer and a fine bowler um, and he didn't have the best time of it um, in um, uh, in Australia, as you said. Um, Ashley Giles is another one that you that would come to mind. Um, what didn't have the best time in Australia? Monty Panesar um, would be another one. Um, so look, there's I mean there's there's a, a quite a few there. Um, Australia tends more to uh, I, I think to favour wrist spin. Uh, obviously, Shane Warne and Stuart McGill being the obvious examples. But of course, you go back even further to the likes of Benno and um, and, and Tiger O'Reilly, and there's a real um, uh, culture there of wrist spin, and I wonder if that has something to do with the environmental conditions. But um, mm. you know, and we've only really seen um, recently um, the, the likes of Nathan Lyon um, uh, kind of uh, progress into the, the the conversation of the great uh, the great bowlers. And what Lino does so well, and what a couple of, like, even a bloke like Stuart Broad, for example, did pretty okay last time he was here, is adapt 
to conditions. But that takes time in those conditions. And New Zealand didn't have that. Mm. They went straight from that test in New Zealand against the Palms, came straight over to Perth and played at Optus Oval. Um, you know, and from there, they just got shellacked. It, it, you know, add in injury, illness, and, um, a, you know, a couple of bad turns, and all of a sudden, you've got yourself a test series where you've been absolutely demolished. Mm. Um, mm. The capitulation on the fourth day at this most recent test of the SCG was, was that incarnate. They lost five wickets in absolutely yeah. no time at all to find themselves on the, on the end of a really true shellacking. They went from one for three to what, uh, three for 22, four for 22, uh, five for 38 before Colin de Grandhome managed to steady the ship a bit. I mean, goodness, Bardo, it was, it was a real, they got rolled, mate. Yeah. And again, Matt Henry was unable to bat at the end there because of his hand, another injury for New Zealand who uh, have India coming their way real fast. Mm. So you kind of feel, so, I feel pretty sorry for them, mate, to be honest with you. Oh, um, yeah. Look, I, I, <coughs> Um, I think I think you'll see a different New Zealand uh, uh, against India. Um, you know, uh, again in conditions that I think will will suit them a little bit better in terms of the, the makeup of their their lineup at the moment. I think it's a great shame that we didn't get to see more of Lockie Ferguson. Um, from what I've seen yeah, of him in the sure. shorter form of the game, I think um, you know his uh, certainly his pace. Um, you know, uh, would suit Australian conditions, as we said, better. Where, again, it, it's it, Australian conditions seem to be more about the vertical gain rather than the horizontal. Um, For sure. And, uh, and New Zealand's attack, uh, understandably, because those are the performing bowlers uh, in their conditions, um, is built around the uh, the horizontal game. So, um, look, <coughs> as far as you know, three nil whitewashers go. It was still relatively entertaining. So, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing from uh, Michael Wood. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear a bit more from Spinksy before we get there and see what he's got to say, uh, continuing his things that he enjoyed so far. Number one, Wagner is a joy to watch. Like the little engine that could, he just continues to trundle in, bowl around the wicket at your shoulder blades at 130 clicks and have a little giggle with a non-striker. Rinse and repeat. Whilst it's my least favourite bowling strategy, too many reasons why, it at least kept Wagner on my laptop screen for longer because it took 20 overs for each wicket to fall and Wagner just won't stop. Wonderful. Number two, Ross Taylor becomes New Zealand's highest ever run scorer in test cricket. Another one of those emotional moments that make your eyes well up. Ross Taylor immediately credited and spoke about his mentor, the late great Martin Crow, and how he made New Zealand's leading run scorer one of Ross Taylor's goals way back at his debut in 2007, and how he only wished Crow was around to see it happen. Next goal? Give probably New Zealand's best ever batsman, Kane Williamson, something to chase. Brilliant. Number three, bringing out the bad headline writer in me. Lion finally roars at the SCG. I'm hilarious. Without a single fifer at the SCG till this test, Lion decided to take two of them this match, along with a ripper catch at Gully, as is his wont. Lion showing once again how irreplaceable he is for Australia and showing off what other countries are lacking from their spinners. Number four. Steve Smith is the only Aussie top six to not score 100 this summer. And only he and Wade didn't score 100 this series. But he still averaged 42.8 and was the third highest run scorer against New Zealand. Hold up, hey. But uh, isn't that wonderful <laughs> freaking news? Yeah. Just like, just just have a moment to embrace how beautiful that is from Spinksy. Yeah. We had five test series 
And and in his three test series most recently gone, Steve Smith's the only bloke not to score 100, and we had a 5-0 whitewash for the summer. I mean, that is just such wonderful news yeah. <coughs> to see blokes like Wade and Hand and Labashane and Warner all scoring tons. Even Joey Burns got some runs at the start of the summer. Bardo, my heart is so yeah. full of joy. Look, um, it's what a, what a strange world we live in where, as I said earlier, um, Matthew Wade is considered to be a change bowling option. Um, <laughs> and um, in the side exclusively for his batting uh, and um, we've won a test series but the headline where hits best batsman underperforms nation celebrates um, <laughs> you know um, and also but also I like the kind of the the, uh, the, the sneaky uh, double-edged sword there of he's still average 42 which is like yeah all right <laughs> Fine. Great. <laughs> That's we could have yeah, we would have taken that at any point over the last decade. He's the third highest run scorer in yeah. the series. With a top score of eighty five, he averaged forty two. I mean that's an absolutely fine series, sure. Bardo. He he got more runs than Trav Head, Blundell, Burns, Payne, Taylor, DeGrandholm and Latham. Um you know. But we'll take I that. think I think and I we'll, think Tom Latham's career average is forty two, which is I quite respectable. So. so look you know, no, not, not bad. Not bad. We'll have not that. Bad. We'll absolutely have that. And yeah, can we just also quickly, um, just in case we didn't put enough butter on it before, um, say how awesome Nathan Lyon is. Really, truly amazing butter. He got 20 wickets in this series uh, at 17.2. Yeah. You know, that is freaking awesome. Talk about the difference between the two sides. Um, it was averaging, uh, yeah, 17, as I said, an economy rate of just under three. Yeah. Um, 116 overs of just very difficult to play spin bowling at his first 10 for first five for sure at the scg he's just fantastic lino and like a fine wine he seems to be getting better as time goes by yeah look definitely excited to see him go to work in spin friendly conditions when the uh australians tour bangladesh yeah yeah can't wait for that chris um let's hear some more from Spinksy. Not surprisingly, Australian batsmen make up six of the top seven run scorers this series, with the surprise package of Tom Blundell, the only New Zealander, slipping into fifth. Number five. Australia's first choice bowling attack of Cummins, Lyon, Stark and Hazelwood ended 2019 as the first, second, fifth and sixth leading wicket-takers, and the three of them that can still walk carried that form into 2020, Stark and Cummins taking four wickets apiece in addition to Lyon's aforementioned ten. Number six. Labashane. Nice. Number seven. New Zealand crowds, especially at the MCG. Nice. We should do this again sometime. Number eight. Australia's firefighters. Nice. Well, that's it from me, almost. And that's it from Test Cricket for Australia until they head to Bangladesh in June. For now, unusually, an ODI Tour 2 India starts next week, and we've got all the big bash cricket you can ask for. And then some more. And then a little bit more. Lots of Big Bash. Like, this keeps going till February. There's 56 matches in the regular season. There is so much Big Bash. Anyway, before I go, I just want to give one last spruit for the RFS. 
Whilst I've fled the country for a Northern Hemisphere winter honeymoon, hundreds and hundreds of volunteer firefighters remain on the fire front, day in, day out, protecting our communities and saving our lives. My father and the Vasey Brigade are just some of the people I know who continue to ship out to a myriad of locations as they join fire crews travelling all over the state and country and the world to do what needs to be done in this apocalyptically destructive time of disaster for Australia. There's been much talk about what people can do and can't do, and lots of calls for donations to help underfunded brigades, so I won't add any noise there. But what I will say, and this, for my money, is the best thing everyone can do, is write to your federal MP, write to your state MP, write to Scott Morrison, and write to your state Premier. At times of disaster like this, it shouldn't be left to everyday Australians to ask What can I do to help the firefighters? Or can I spare some money or food to help the firefighters or whoever is responding to the disaster? That shouldn't be your decision to make. That decision should already have been made by our governments at state and federal level. The funding should already be there for one, but there also needs to be legislated employment and income protections for volunteers in all organisations which help. Firefighters, aid workers, medical teams, supply runners, etc. All of them. These people should not need to worry about keeping their jobs or paying their bills or feeding their families whilst risking their lives in order to save ours. And it's a simple fix. Make it law. So, in order for us to make sure this happens, write to your local members. Sign that change.org petition that's inevitably going to come round. Spam politicians' social media platforms asking for this, and don't let up until it's done. We can't let them forget. Stay safe, everyone. It's hard, hard not to sit on your hands, bury your head in the sand, hard not to make other plans, and claim that you've done all you can. Thank you, Spinksy. Thank you for your work, mate. And um, big thank you to your dad and family and everyone else you know out there um, who are fighting the fires as we speak. I'm sure everyone that's listening to this podcast has seen the images coming out of the uh, east coast of Australia. It's just been simply horrific uh, and, and really apocalyptic. And, and I will say... Um, you know, I've put out calls before to donate to the RFS and I will do it again. Um, please, please send some money their way, folks. I've actually left a GoFundMe, which is on the Two For None Facebook page, um, launched by the Australian Bowling Cartel. They're donating funds to the Australian Red Cross. Every wicket they took, um, they're donating a grand. So um, put some cash in for that if you can. If you're really cash rich, Shane Warne is uh, auctioning off his baggy green cap. I believe it's up to about 300K Mm. at the moment. So um, that's all going towards supporting the firefighters and different organizations who are uh, in the midst of this uh, flat-out freaking tragedy, Bardo. Um, so, yeah, folks, if you can, please, 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 please do that. Um, and thank you, Spinksy, for putting in the time and the effort. Um, we really, really do appreciate it. Bardo, any thoughts on all that? Oh, look, um, I, look, I, I think we're just, um, it's, a, it's a horrific thing that's happening, but um, aren't we uh, uh, fortunate to have, uh, have members of our community that are, um, willing to uh, you know put up their hand and uh, and volunteer um, their you know their their time resources 
physical, um, emotional, and spiritual selves um, for the betterment of the rest of us. Um, you know, I, I think that that's a, uh, re- regardless of your politics, I think that that's a remarkable thing that we should all be very grateful for, and 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 um, we all appear to be. So um, yeah, however we can support our fireys, I uh, particularly at this time, uh, I think we should be. So fair enough. Thanks, Spinksy. Love your work, mate. Um, Bardo, would you like to hear from Michael the Stuck Wood um, for probably what's going to be a very sad Kiwi perspective on this most recent test match? Yeah, look, yes. Let's see him sing his way out of this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder if we'll get a tune out of him. I doubt it, but you never know. G'day, the stick here. So I was obviously really looking forward to this series. I thought we were going to do better. I actually thought we were going to give the Aussies a run for their money. Before we left, six of the top seven were averaging 40 plus, ranked number two in the world, and we were coming off a string of series wins, but we were simply outclassed in all areas, in every innings of every game. Simple as that. Australia are an incredible team, which hurts me to say it, but their change over the last 18 months has been mammoth and good for cricket. Ooh. Hold up, hey. Sorry, did did the stick just say A, it was good, and B, that it was good for cricket, Bardo? Did, did I hear that correctly? Am I losing my I've mind? always called him magnanimous, Michael. Uh, <laughs> I've always said it. Always. It's a long nickname, yeah. but it's a good nickname. It's, Chris, and I'm it's been you. the victim of some heavy editing on your part. Um, <laughs> I, I've always said... You can hear it. If you listen back very closely, closely, it's like Michael Wood. But if you play it out, it's magnanimous Michael Wood. Uh, so I'm just hoping you don't chop me up this time. <laughs> do you feel shut out, Chris? I would never do that to you, pal. I'll leave you in there whole and, uh, and unfiltered. Let's get back to the man. Moving forward, any test team, especially those travelling to Australia, shows they're really going to have their work cut out for them. I've previously discussed reasons for our downfall, such as our schedule, not being fully prepared for that first test in Perth, etc. Never really recovering from that. But basically, we should have done better. At the end of the day, we were not used to the speed of the quicks. Or that great spin of Lion where he played with us like a mouse. He had us by the throat until he finally pounced and it seemed like there was nothing we could do about it. Our bowlers were never fresh. They were bowling what seemed like all the time. Neil Wagner bowled 157.3 overs over the three tests. That's 56 more than any Australian quick. And if you can believe it, 41 overs more than Lyon. Senior batters didn't step up. Latham, Taylor, Williamson. Aside from an 80 from Taylor in the first game, not one of them scored well in any innings of any test. And they all needed to do well most of the time for us to have a chance. When there is such a thumping like this, the statistician has an absolute field day. And us cricket enthusiasts love them as well. But I really don't want to get into the fact that New Zealand's highest inning score of 256 in the three games is the lowest best score of the 94 teams that have toured Australia to play three tests or more since 1881. That's pretty sad. Like out of any team, I didn't think that was going to happen. And it did. When you're on the receiving end of some of these stats, it really rubs salt into the wound. But there was one simple stat that summed it up for me. Total runs in the series, Williamson, 57. And number five, Nichols, 61. 
and our opener Jeet Raval, 34. For the same number of innings batted, these are all less than the 76 runs scored by Mitchell Stark. Oh, oh dear. Hold up, hi. That is an absolutely brutal stat. Yeah. Brutal, Bardo. <laughs> um, that's an indictment. Um, that's an indictment. Oh. Yeah, look. Uh, Kane Williamson is clearly one of the best bats in the world. So everyone's entitled to an off series. It happens. It happens. He's still one of the greats. <laughs> it, it, it'll be fine. G. Raval, um, uh, obviously through uh, through good fortune, found his way back in the team for Sydney and uh, looked all right. Uh, he did, didn't he? He looked a lot for a better. Bit there. Um, but yeah, you really, you really need more from your uh, from your top six um, than than what we've just heard. And if some of your best players combined aren't scoring the same runs in a series as a number nine, um, you've got to ask yourself big questions there, Bardo. I mean, uh, New Zealand, Chris, dare I say it, could be staring down the barrel of a few selection shocks. <laughs> they could be staring them down, Chris. I don't want to. I don't want to be going throwing. I, you know, I'm yeah, just saying. Maybe. Um, I'm not. I can smell a selection uh, shock now, I'm not Chris. Sure. I can smell it in the air. I can smell it coming across the Tasman. It's not just bushfire smoke now, pal. It's selection <laughs> uh, shock. I'm, I'm not sure um, how many uh, how many lotto tickets they've got left, left to scratch, Pat. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, how uh, many blokes they can pull uh, out of the I waves, Chris? I don't think three cherries are coming up anytime soon. But um, <laughs> uh, look, um, there you have these moments don't you as, as a cricket fan where it's a bit of a roller coaster and and you're on the up and up and up and up and then before you know it your your tummy's in your mouth and um yeah all of a sudden mm. it's, it's a steep decline and um uh you know we, we we've only got to think back to uh trent bridge you know for australia i mean trent bridge what a trent what bridge, a scarring Chris. experience that was and uh I don't like to think about it. It hurts my nausea. Yeah, yeah. So we're all, all test nation, all test playing nations go through it. Um, I, I, you know my feelings on the selection shock. I don't like it. <laughs> you don't like it unless you're proposing it, Chris. Sure. That's what I've learned yeah. about you. Okay. Yeah, if you're proposing bringing in Alex Carey and dropping the Australian captain, then you're all about it. Then you're excited about it. But as soon as somebody else is doing selection shocks, you don't like it. Chris. Was that me? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was you. <laughs> What an idiot. See? It's bad. Shouldn't do it. Stay calm. exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. This is exactly it. Let's get back to Wood. I do want to congratulate the wonderful Ross Taylor, who reached the milestone of the highest New Zealand run scorer in Test cricket, overtaking Stephen Fleming. Again, this series wasn't for him, but I'm sure he's got a few more big knocks in him yet. At times, our bowling was okay. Shout out to the Wags. But at the end of the day, we couldn't bowl them out, like a lot of the time for less than a million runs in the first innings. The best performing Kiwi, who batted brilliantly at an incredible run rate, at one stage I think he was in the running for New Zealander of the year, and that is Ben Stokes, who unfortunately wasn't available for selection as he had prior commitments somewhere else. Can I just chuck in here too? Like, we get it, Warner is a good player. He did his time, he's come back. But watching him get a century, jumping and hoo-haring around the place, kissing his badge, <laughs> basically just coming short of jizzing on the pitch, I swear I normally end up with a bit of puke in my mouth. 
at this time of year when you're trying to cut back on your food, when you feel like eating something, just watch Davy Warner get a century on repeat and it will certainly put you off. I call it the Warner diet. New Zealand are now fifth on the World Test Championship table. I still have belief though. Our next tests are against India who are coming to us at the end of February. We're going to pick ourselves up like we always do. And I know it's a long way off, but I've got a good feeling about that series. Long live the Black Cap supporters in the good times and in the tough times. And normally I'm not one for getting political, but at least we're still one up in the quality of Prime Ministers at the moment. Catch you later. Thank you very much, Stick. Love your work, mate. Love your work. Uh, and all the best to New Zealand in that upcoming test series against India. That should be a pretty tough going there with Virat and all of those fellas coming out to uh, to well and truly stamp their dominance on New Zealand. Um, any thoughts from you there, B-Train, about all of that from the start? Look, uh, just interesting points on, uh, on Ross Taylor. Uh, so he reached the milestone um, of, Australia, of New Zealand's greatest ever test run scorer in his 99th test match, Pat. Oh, um, 9th test match so he'll play his 100th test match you would think against India in New Zealand which will be another special occasion for the great man who I once saw bat at the Wacker um, for a long long time <laughs> <laughs> approximately 6 years uh, it was a long time it was very hot um, and I think Dave Warner made 250 in that game as well so, no doubt Michael Wood vomited it, twice. Yeah, it was, a, it was a long, long, long game for batting. Long game for the bowlers. But um, just some other fun facts. Um, how's this for a list of teams uh, that uh, Ross Taylor has played for over the journey? Um, new, a couple of surprises in here. A couple of selection shocks, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> new Zealand, obviously. Um, new uh-huh. Zealand, the Australian Capital Territory. Uh, which I have to assume was the ACT Comets back in the day. Um, I, I, no. I, I, yep, the Australian Capital Territory. Um, I find out more. Central Districts, uh, Central Districts under 19s, fairly obvious. The Delhi Daredevils, um, Durham, um, the Jamaica Talawas. Um, now, hey. the team names in the Caribbean Premier League are fantastic. Uh, so you've got the good. Jamaica they're Talawas strong, there. They're powerful. Middlesex. Um, Middlesex, uh, uh, good emphasis the Pune, there, by the, the Pune Warriors, um, the Rajasthan Royals, of course, uh, the Royal Challengers, Bangalore, uh, the St. Lucia Zooks from the from the uh, Caribbean Premier League, there, Sussex, Trinidad and Tobago, Red Steel, um, and uh, strangely, Victoria. What? Yeah, yeah, Victoria. Yeah, so a, a, a journeyman. Um, and given that he's played uh, for the, uh, wow. the Australian Capital Territory and, um, uh, well, Melbourne, which is the sporting capital of the world, Victoria. And Victoria. Uh, I'm prepared to say and congratulate Australia's own Ross Taylor for breaking <laughs> the <laughs> record for most test runs. Well done, Aussie Ross. Aussie Ross, just do it really... <laughs> Michael Wood's going to be so upset. Not to be confused with Aussie Russ, uh, Russell Crowe, of course. You know, I would have, uh, if we were doing this pod a couple of months ago, I would have had nothing but shade to throw at Russell Crowe, but he has just given about a million bucks to the RFS, so he's in my good books at the moment. Good on you, Russell. Um, You keep doing you, pal. Um, 
And I believe he used his Golden Globe speech to promote the RFS as well. So a, a great uh, Kiwi Australian, um, our, our Russell Crowe. Um, Bardo, it's 47 minutes. I reckon we wrap it up, pal. Australia's going to play India in a couple of ODIs coming up, but we won't deal with that we, until that comes up a bit closer, I reckon. We're going to give ourselves a bit of time off, a bit of a break from the pod. Um, so we'll be back, ladies and gentlemen, just before that series kicks off to preview it for you and to uh, dive into the details we'd like to do on this show. So, Chris, um, any final thoughts from you, my friend, before we sign off for a week or two? Oh, a week or two. A drinks break, Pat. Um, a drinks break, Chris. <laughs> a drinks break. No, look, it's nice to be back and nice to be back on on the pod. I've missed it. Missed it very much. And uh, look, uh, what a terrific team we have uh, with us at Two for None. And um, yeah. look, it's going to be an, another long, long, hot summer. So long may it continue. <laughs> Thank you, Bardo. Great to have you back in the chair, mate. Um, And thank you, too, to Michael Wood and Alex Spinks for being with us. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back in your ear holes in a couple of weeks to preview that series, as I mentioned. Thank you so much for listening to Two for None. We really do appreciate it. You know, Bardo, recently we got to be the number six podcast in England, in the UK. Um, I don't know how we did that, but somehow we did. Yeah, we got to be number six in the UK. We were only there for about a week, but we were number six of cricket podcasts. They're coming back for that Aussie Ross content. They come back for that Aussie Ross content. You can't stop them. Um, so big thank you to everyone that listens. Please share it with your friends. Please keep liking and subscribing it. That really, really helps us out. Also, um, go to the Two for None page. Find the link to donate to the Fireys and, and click it, folks. Give whatever you can. Um, we really, really need those donations. So um, throw, throw them to your local RFS brigade. Uh, these fires around Australia are now the size of uh, the Netherlands. They are bigger than the United Kingdom. They are genuinely huge. Over half a million, no, nearly half a billion animals have died. Um, People, houses, homes, it's just catastrophic. So whatever you can give, please give it to your local RFS brigade and the associated charities who are also doing wonderful work. Um, We'd really appreciate that. Bardo, thank you so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate you too. And uh, I only have one more thing to say, which is go those Aussies! Oh, Aussie Ross. Aussie Ross. Aussie Ross.